Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash support. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey, what is happening out there in Libertyville, which of course is Liberty Land adjacent, higher property values. But, you know, a lower standard of living overall. Hey, everybody. This is Brian McWilliams, and this is Electric Liberty Land, episode number 53. I, uh, if you can't tell, still have my cold. I am still fighting through it. And, uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a real slog this past week. I'm not going to lie to you. But speaking of slogs, I'd like you to slog on over to lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL53 for all the show notes for today's episode. And I'd also like you to slog on over to uh, our other shows here, other than Electric Liberty Land. Of course, Mark Clare on Mondays has his in-depth interviews. That's also where a lot of our Libertarians and Living Rooms Drinking Liquor shows happens, although we're uh, trading off a little bit now, Mark and I, with our shows in that regard. And of course, John Odermatt taking on the injustices in the criminal justice system on Felony Fridays. Do not want to miss that. Mark and uh, Odie actually did a pretty nice recap of uh, crazy California laws and other things this past episode, which was great. And of course, on Monday's show, there was the Liberty New Year recap that we did. And uh, I was originally supposed to be on that show, but as you could tell, I just simply wasn't up for it. My voice has just given out on me and uh, I had to travel all the way out to Fargo. So we flew into and then up to East Grand Forks, Minnesota. Now, if you're wondering, why the hell were we going there? Well, it's because my wife's family is up there her on her mother's side. So her stepdad, her mom, her brother came in and a bunch of other family, her sister, and uh, had a great time with them. They're uh, you know, liberty-loving folk out there. Of course, Stephen, uh, my wife's uh, brother, has been on the show before in a lawyerly capacity. I might try to get him back on to talk about this cake decision. And, uh, and by the way, I apologize. You're going to hear some heavy breathing because I cannot breathe through my nose. So, so it's all mouth breathing this episode, guys. <laughs> I will uh, try to, to breathe away from the microphone as much as I can, but no promises. But anyway, <laughs> uh, flew out there, saw her mom, saw her stepdad, Donnie, who's also a big fan of the show. And, uh, yeah, it was great, <laughs> except for I was super sick. And uh, flying out there where it was negative 25 degrees, negative 25, where literally you walk outside, your nose hairs freeze. And me, with my lungs, you know, full of of phlegm and all sorts of other uh, awful things, felite aids probably in there. So, you know, every time I take a deep breath, I would start a massive coughing fit that just would not stop because basically it just had ice in my my lungs. So would not recommend that, (laughs) excuse me, if you're trying to get over cold. Now. I'm going to power through an episode. This is going to be very brief. Uh, I just want to make sure you guys have something on this Wednesday. And also, by the way, so the original plan, which would have been fantastic had it come to fruition, was to have my interview with my buddy Jake Weissman air today. Now, Jake is a stand-up comedian friend of mine who has a new show on Comedy Central coming out on January 17th called Corporate. And um, what happened is in recording that, Something happened on the on route to uh, to his location. My microphone got banged and just simply was not functioning. 
So all of my part of the interview is basically incredibly washed out, just peaking and, and unlistenable audio. So what I have to do now is as soon as my voice and lungs are, uh, are going to allow me to this week, I have to re-record all of my dialogue and, uh, and, and then piece them together. So that will now be pushed back to next week. But please listen to that. It's going to be a great show. Okay. On to <coughs> – excuse me. I'm going to try not to do that. <coughs> on to this week's topics. So various first things first, I ran. What the hell is happening with Iran right now? We're seeing, it seems like, to me, as of right now, we are seeing a grassroots movement from the people in Iran to rise up against uh, Khamenei, to rise up against the standard Islamic State that has run that nation for, well, basically since the FBI and the CIA, well, the CIA, since the CIA overthrew the old Ayatollah and, uh, and helped the new one come into power, Essentially, we've been dealing with a problem that we ourselves created 50 years in the past. So isn't that fun? So anyway, Iran right now, though, they have a a big uprising. Several thousand people are protesting every day. Uh, The death toll, (coughs) as the last I saw it, was somewhere between 21 and 29 people, protesters that were killed in the streets either by accidents. Some people were killed by trucks that were stolen and ran them over by accident. Some people have been killed by the... Islamic Guard, the country, Revolutionary Guard. So what we're seeing right now is a quote-unquote organic uprising from the people. And I'm reading different reports, some of which are claiming that this was in response to the people in Iran being unhappy with the rising cost of living. Meanwhile, they are seeing a completely stagnant economy. So really, you could argue that this, in a way, is a free market response because people are unhappy with the economic situation. Uh, And of course, you see, freer countries typically have freer markets and thus more economic prosperity. If you look at America, you have people that left a uh, highly restrictive religious environment, started the freest nation in the goddamn world. And uh, I always consider free markets and freedom to be hand in hand in that regard. So hopefully the people of Iran are considering that as well, saying we'd like to open up the culture, which then in turn opens up so much more we can do with the economy as far as cultural imports and or cultural exports. Because you think about all the different portions of the economy, which are banned or illegal or are uh, frowned upon under Islamic law that cancel out so many different business opportunities or drive those business opportunities underground into the black market. So, Who knows? Maybe this is something that is purely coming out of that desire to open things up and people saying enough is enough, frankly. On the other hand, it could very well be influenced from Saudi Arabia. There could be Saudi Arabia operators in there that are trying to stir this up or that are are jetting up resistance towards the existing regime. Uh, I know that's the way that the Iranian Islamic Guard are viewing it. And uh, there have been several tweets from people within that country talking about that fact that they are basically viewing the protesters as enemy combatants and quote-unquote tools of the Saudi Arabians. Thus, they are going out there with the intent to kill rather than the intent to quash the protests and or keep a peace uh, or forward any sort of dialogue that might come about from this revolution. On a counterpoint to that, I'm seeing some other tweets from people that are, again, from within Iran, 
and they're saying that it's interesting to see that none of the hashtag Iran resist tweets that are coming out, thousands of tweets are actually coming out in Farsi, which is what you would expect people to be writing in were they in that country and ha- jumping onto the resistance movement as far as social media is concerned. And I thought that was a very interesting point to make because you do wonder whether or not this is something that is being forced upon them from external powers, i.e. people from the outside pushing in, people that are are uh, socially moderate, that are looking to to j- make this look like a bigger deal than it is. I'm not saying that is the case, but when I saw this one specific tweet come out from one uh, from a woman that was Iranian, it did strike a little bit of a fire in my brain saying that I mean it it doesn't prove anything, but it is a very interesting point to make that you would see far more people communicating in their native language than you would in English were this actually an organic revolution. Okay, so there's that. We'll see what shakes out. You've got Kamini blaming external forces, uh, blaming the people that have, quote, the guns and the money uh, and everything else, basically meaning Saudi Arabia and uh, the United States. Iran specifically is calling out President Trump for fanning the flames. And really, though, if you're the president of the United States, this is one of the circumstances where it's not like he's been friendly towards Iran in the first place. He's clearly been unhappy with the Obama administration's deal to quell their nuclear ambitions. But why would you expect anything other than Trump to say, yes, get them out of there. They're a brutal dictatorship. They are. I mean, they are a, a, a brutal regime that still operates under quasi-medieval standards. So if there's an opportunity for a real revolution to get an actual democratic system in there, or not even democratic, hopefully better than that, <laughs> hopefully a system like a republic <laughs> like we have. Because God knows a straight democratic system is how you still end up with people being ruled over by a very uh, strict and religious regime in many cases because, well, you know, majority rules. So anywho, you've got Trump tweeting out to try to fan the flames. You've got Iran calling him out for that, which, of course, you would expect. And to this at this time, it, it still looks like to me that this is going to result in nothing. Some people think that this actually may result in an overthrowing of the government. The only way I actually could see that happening is connected to another news story that I want to get into, and that is a report from Haaretz, which is a Jewish news agency, uh, Israeli news agency. And they're reporting that a Kuwaiti newspaper has said that the United States has given the green light to Israel to assassinate a primary general within Iraq, uh, or excuse me, Iran. And that is the leader of the Iran Revolutionary Guard, Qasem Soleimani. So Soleimani, this is according to this report again, Soleimani had an agreement between the United States and Israel wherein Israel was going to assassinate him some three years ago. The United States under the Obama administration decided this is not the appropriate time to assassinate him, probably right in the midst of their nuclear talks with the Iran deal. And they quashed it and gave uh, Tehran a heads up, said, hey, by the way, this is something that's been, that we've heard about. Never mind that they were complicit in it, but this is something we'd heard about. So it was canceled. They told Israel, now is not the time. Don't pull the trigger. This new report from this Kuwaiti uh, newspaper called Al Jarida now is saying that Israel is once again looking to assassinate Soleimani. And the United States has given given them the green light to do so. Should that be the case, 
That would make a lot of sense. I'm not saying I'm condoning it in any shape, way, or form, but, <coughs> excuse me, it would make a lot of sense. You have the perfect smokescreen going on right now. If you look at Iranian protests, whether or not they were organic or they were generated, you have a smokescreen going on wherein you could simply blame a protester and or turned forces from within the country for assassinating any number of the leaders there. Were you to take out General Soleimani, you'd have uh, certain forces, Israeli special forces work their way in there, either that or sleeper agents that they've placed. You have them assassinate Soleimani and any number of other high-ranking members of the Iranian uh, leadership. And you are pretty much eliminated all of the people that are likely to take over that country should it actually fall and should Khomeini be ousted. They are also saying that some of these other targets include, uh, let's see, Iran's second in command in Syria, known as Abu Baker, uh, as Mohammed Reda Falak Zadeh. Uh, that's, I guess, his full name. He might be a target as well as some other people that are that are high up within the Iranian leadership community. So what we saw with Egypt, you can overthrow a brutal regime simply to have that brutal regime be taken over by the military. By eliminating Soleimani, you are assuring in in a partial sense that that cannot be the case. So if you're the United States and Israel seeing this opportunity arise, seeing the potential for Khomeini being ousted, you say, okay, well, now seems the time to to put a bullet in this guy's head. That way, there is no military takeover once Khomeini is outed, once the president is thrown out on his ass, etc. So... Keep a keen eye focused on what's happening with Iran because we may see some very questionable deaths coming up very soon that will be blamed on protesters. And if you are the United States and Israel, this is the time to do it. Again, I'm not condoning this, but I'm saying that I would be surprised, if I'm being completely honest, if it didn't happen sometime soon. But something to watch. All right. I am going to use this opportunity to take a break. And then I'm going to be coming back with some additional topics to talk about on this truncated and very hoarse edition of Electric Liberty Land. I know many of you are facing major decisions with your health care right now, and I want to make sure that you know about an amazing alternative to your standard corporatized health insurance known as Health Excellence Plus. Health Excellence Plus is an incredible program that helps you keep medical costs under control by taking charge of your own health care and not leaving all the decisions about what doctors you see, what procedures you need or don't need up to some corporate bureaucrat, along with providing 24-7 access to medical professionals, tax-deferred health savings accounts, and preventative care. Health Excellence Plus empowers you to finally take control of your health care. To learn more, head on over to lionsofliberty.com slash health or call the special hotline for Lions of Liberty listeners at 855-290-4447. Be sure to mention Lions of Liberty. All right, I am back. Welcome back to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 53. All right, so we left off talking about Iran, but now I want to turn our attention to Pakistan because President Trump essentially sent out a tweet stating that Pakistan would be cut off. We will not be giving any more aid, whether that is militarily and or in the form of, I don't even know, (laughs) just general payouts. And of course, Pakistan reacts to that news going, what? What? Why? Because President Trump always sends out, it's not just a simple thing where he sends out a tweet saying, oh, we're going to curtail the aid. 
Trump very specifically called Pakistan out for lying constantly to us, to aiding and abetting our enemies, which is true. Uh, if you know anything about the assassination of Osama bin Laden by the American SEAL team, which happened in Abbottabad in Pakistan, you know that uh, he's pretty on point there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when you consider <coughs> that we've been giving them billions and billions of dollars, and then <laughs> they allow the greatest enemy at the time, anyway, <coughs> the greatest purported enemy of United States interests at the time in Osama bin Laden, to sit there under their noses and very much so under the knowledge of the Pakistan government and special forces. And uh, there's a pretty fascinating book that came out from uh, the man who actually killed Osama bin Laden on the subject, talking about the intel that they'd get from people. Uh, he actually was on Adam Carolla, by the way, and I'll try to remember to link to that in the show notes if I can find it. But Pakistan allowed this man to stay in their country with full knowledge that the United States is looking for him. And neglected to tell us. And it was only through some back channels that the United States actually found out where he was and was able to go in and eliminate him. So I love this President Trump calling out Pakistan and cutting off this aid. I have for many years been a big fan of Rand Paul calling out the foreign aid that we give to all these ridiculous countries and the, to the tune of billions of dollars that can be better used here, either in the form of how about tax breaks or just in simply not spending that money. So it's no surprise that Rand Paul, much to his credit, jumped on board and supported Donald Trump after he saw that tweet, again, tweeting back at the Donald, saying, huzzah and kudos, Trumpelstiltskins. Of course, my name is Liberty Draft, but huzzah and kudos, I will work with you on this. Yes, please, I've been talking about cutting off aid to these countries for years. So that's good stuff. I sincerely hope that it happens and Trump can push that through. Of course, it's not up to him solely, but... In light of the current state of affairs, it would make a hell of a lot of sense to do it, and I sincerely hope that it happens. Okay, next topic, something on the good news front, and Mark and Odie addressed this a little bit, but I want to give a huge kudos to California for doing one thing that wasn't completely fucking retarded, and that is legalizing the recreational use of marijuana. As of January 1st, people are allowed to use and grow marijuana. Now, there are some restrictions placed on that as far as home growing and stuff uh, in regards to how many pot plants you can have per person, per household kind of thing, which are still unneeded and, uh, and ridiculous. But the good news is that there have been some you know, 1,400 submissions for people to have recreational marijuana dispensaries in town, that the industry is going to be thriving here in regards to that, opening up that legal marketplace for all sorts of comp competition, unlike in other places such as, I know, Cleveland, Ohio was looking into this, and Ohio as a whole was looking into basically cronyizing uh, the marijuana industry. So California, in this regard, has started to do things the right way by opening up competition, opening up these dispensaries where people can just go in. You don't need a card. You don't need a prescription from your doctor. You can simply walk in, say, I want some pot, please, and they will hand it to you. And to much to the, uh, allay the concerns of all the many mothers hand-wringing and, and idiots like people on nextdoor.com, which still one of my favorite sites to get into arguments with people on, where you see nothing but fear-mongering, literally people going on there and saying, oh, this dispensary opens up and crime's going to skyrocket, even though that's been proven not to be the case. Areas around dispensaries see no greater increase in crime. It's the exact same as having a liquor store anywhere around you, except it's actually lower than that. So anyway, good job, California. I'm excited to see legal 
dispensaries all over the place and hopefully people all over the nation take a page out of the book and legalize it en route to a wholesale cancellation of the war on drugs. Okay, <clears throat> let me take a little sip of my grapefruit sparkling water. If you can't tell, I'm really struggling here. It's like every every breath I take, it makes me want to cough my balls off. Okay, last thing I'm going to get into, and then I'm going to wrap this, because uh, I don't want to submit you guys to any more hacking into the microphone. But Venezuela, yes, Venezuela, the same country which has plunged millions into poverty, that same country that can't afford to provide toilet people, to- toilet people? <laughs> Those damn Venezuelan toilet people, just like ghoulies popping out of the toilet, grabbing you by the rectum. Great movie, by the way. Check it out. Anyway, Venezuela, where people can't afford toilet paper and where they thought that the reason that prices were so high in bakeries was because they were privately owned and not the fact that inflation was causing prices to go up about everything. And as goes inflation, as goes prices in the marketplace, because if you have to buy flour for X number of dollars higher than you used to, you need to raise your product prices X number higher. And of course, what happened with Venezuela when those bakers started charging more money? Oh, they nationalized the bakeries and then no one could get any bread. (laughs) Idiots. So, Maduro, the new, uh, well, not the new, the freshly re-elected, quote-unquote, re-elected president in Venezuela, who is, by the way, jailed all of his opposition members for corruption and is not allowing any of them to run on the ballot to oppose him in the next election, seems on the up and up to me. He has now raised the minimum wage by 40% in Venezuela because he thinks that that is going to combat the inflation that's going on. Because, you know, nothing makes more sense when you've got runaway and rampant inflation because you keep devaluing your currency uh, because of your sheer incompetence. You keep interfering in the free market. You keep nationalizing all of the biggest industries, which would pay and fuel the private market for people to get jobs that actually pay the money. (coughs) And you ruin your own oil infrastructure via this nationalization because there's no one there to take care of the oil company or the oil uh, refineries any longer. Well, anyway... (coughs) Here's the report according to Reuters. To counter price increases, Maduro is raising the minimum wage. But quickening inflation, coupled with depreciating Bolivar currency, has plunged millions into poverty. Venezuelans will now earn some 70, uh, basically 800,000 Bolivars a month, factoring in food tickets, or just over $7 on the widely used black market index. $7 a month. Millions will be unable to afford three meals a day, well, the increase is likely to stoke inflation further. Editor's note, no shit. Prices went up 1,369% between January and November, according to figures released earlier this month by the opposition-led Congress, which estimated the 2017 rate would top 2,000%. Excuse me. The Venezuelan government no longer publishes inflation data on a regular basis. Because nothing says, hey, nothing to see here. Everything's going peachy keen. Like completely hiding all of the data relevant to your inflationary procedures within the country, to your gross national product, gross domestic product, etc. So clearly Venezuela is just doing great. But I love the mentality behind this. Like, I mean, you're talking about a currency, which is already virtually worthless. 
And you've got surging prices because, as I stated earlier, that's the way the market works. There's no way you could possibly expect prices to stay where they are if you've got a currency that's plummeting because everything's going to cost more to import. Everything's going to cost more to pay people for those products. Everything's going to cost more to do anything with. And as the cost of prices for the market increase, for raw goods increase, and for labor increases, you are going to have inflation. You're going to have product prices accelerate. And simply saying <laughs> that you're going to give people a 40% raise at minimum wage, in what world of insane thinking does that make any little modicum of sense? You're going to force people to pay people more. And again, where's this money coming from? Out of the people's pockets that are selling the goods. So what are they going to do in exchange so that they can pay these higher mandatory minimum wages well, they're going to raise the cost of price goods. And of course, then you're going to have the exact same situation again, where you're going to need to have to pay people more because the goods cost more. It's like, it is a clear cycle. There's no way logic doesn't pop this balloon immediately. And yet people keep doing it. Not just in Venezuela, mind you. I mean, that's a special case where they are just completely fucked. But not only there, but I mean, look at places like Seattle. Look at places like LA, where they're doing the same exact garbage where you've got in LA. And by the way, I just wrote my local councilman a very nasty email today because this asshole sent out an email blaming the free market for skyrocketing prices for housing and rental and the cost of living in LA. This motherfucker blames the free market. Meanwhile, what's proven to accelerate costs in every single city is regulation high costs on building, high costs on living, high tax rates. And then additionally, you've got local city councils and local city governments putting restrictions on what you can and can't build. So the costs of building an apartment complex are twice as much as they'd be in any other city in the country. And then on top of that, you've also got people imposing restrictions on what you can do with the building after you're done with it, saying that you have to accommodate 10 low-cost housing units within your luxury uh, townhouse, or you have to accommodate... You have to have caps on what you can charge for rent and rent increases, you know, rent control, in other words, which, again, drives down the incentive to build those houses in the first place because, you know, you can't get your fair market price for the house you just built at an extremely increased rate due to the regulation and the red tape that exists within Los Angeles. So basically, I just wrote back an email explaining all of that to him in severely nasty terms. Didn't use the MF word for my councilman, but... I did call him an idiot uh, several times, so good enough. Anyway, we see the exact same happening here, wherein you've got L.A. saying, okay, we're going to raise the minimum wage. Or you look at Seattle, where they raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, and then local businesses say, well, we can't pay that without raising our own prices, and people complain that their shit costs more, and you go, well, why the fuck do you think your shit costs more, idiots? Because you raised the rate minimum wage, which existed because that was what people got paid to do a low talent, low uh, income job, wherein you have no skills coming into it. You're learning a trade or you're coming up. You can't expect people to automatically just pay money out of thin air because you want it to be so because your bleeding heart says that it must happen this way. And then, of course, when people make more money, everything costs more. When you make more money, the rents go up. Look at L.A., for example, where rents have skyrocketed. Everyone knows the way the market functions. And while you can have all the rent control you want, when you have 
run out of rent-controlled buildings and you start telling people that half the building that they build has to be rent-controlled, they're going to tell you to go stick it up your ass and they're going to tell you they're not going to build any more buildings for you. Anyway, I got off at a slight tangent there. That's probably a good way to wrap this episode up, guys. So uh, again, I apologize. I am still a little uh, little loopy Lucy Lou, and uh, God, my voice. Just trying not to die on, on air here. So I will be back with my interview with Jake Weissman at the end, uh, or I'm sorry, for next week. I will be re-recording that as I stated earlier, and then I'll be coming back with some fresh new shows, fresh new attitude, uh, when I finally get over this devil cold that has been ripping me apart from the inside. So, guys, Happy New Year. Thank you all so much for listening. I hope you did enjoy my also sick-recorded Christmas Carol special, uh, which aired last week. And, of course, I was so high on cold medicine that I called Jacob Marley, who was Scrooge's partner, Bob Marley the entire time, even pausing at one point to question whether that was the right thing to do uh, before just moving on with it. Because cold medicine's a hell of a drug. All right. Adios from me, Brian McWilliams, from the Lions of Liberty, from Electric Liberty Land. Always stay plugged in to Liberty. 